Hello, what's up everybody? It's Thursday again. Welcome to our Thursday Night Live. I'm Frankie right here. If you can hear me loud and clear as usual, please type one in the comment box so that I know you can hear me. Right. Hopefully some good news for the construction sector. I think we'll go into that in a little while. But first, before we go into today's topic, please help me to type one in the comment box if you can hear me loud and clear so that I know everything in it, everything is functioning properly. Uh, because uh, in the past, we always have technical issues at the start of the podcast. So we hope that um, everything is good. So please let me know. Please let me know before uh, we start today's topic. Hello, can you guys hear me loud and clear? Ah, fantastic. Thank you so much for responding to me. If not, I would be thinking that, you know, I'm talking to the thin air and uh, nobody is, uh, nobody can hear. Okay, today is a very important day because today is the eve of the budget tabling, right? Um, I'm not sure how many times you all follow the budget uh, for me personally, I've been following the budget since I started working. Lah. So that would be year 2009. Um, I still remember in the start, right? All I could remember was the finance minister just stood there and talked for two, three hours. Nothing went into my head because he was just reading from the script. And all I could think of is, hey, this guy not tired one. He's not thirsty one. How come he just talk, 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 talk and talk, right? Um, but uh, subsequently, I think as I as I grew older, I started to appreciate um, the budget announcement, the tabling of budget, uh, because um, you know, as a growing adult, I myself also do my own budget every year, right? I would I would think, okay, this year I'm gonna spend how much on food, I'm gonna spend how much on investment, how much I need to set aside for retirement and things like that. And those are the things that, you know, um, frequently on Mr. Money TV channel, we talk about it as well. Uh, yeah, so on the country level, it's also very important for the country to implement a budget so that we know at least how the government is going to spend the money. Number one, where the country is going to get the revenue from, right? Is it from taxes? Is it from investment? or yada yada. And after they get the revenue, how is it going to spend, right? Is it going to spend on the people? Is it going to spend for development? Or is it going to be spent on paying off debts, right? Because if most of the money is being used to paying off debt and, and do all the things that are not beneficiary to the economy, then it is as good as wasting money, right? So we don't want a, a we don't want a government where it keeps spending money, but there's no economic impact. And partly also because I was in the investment banking scenario, so um, always when the government table a budget, it often drop a lot of hints about how is it going to affect the stock market in the next twelve months. Is it going to build more infrastructure? When you build more infrastructure, it means that a lot of construction companies is going to be involved. They are going to get big projects. And when they get big projects, that means profit will grow and therefore uh, investors will go and invest. Right? But apart from construction companies, it will also trickle down to other supply chain as well. Right? So you have the cement, uh, you have the electrical stuff, you, know, you have many, many kinds of industry that is going to be involved in infrastructure alone. Then after those infrastructure is being built, then um, it will spill over to other sectors of economy. So maybe for example, if you build a, build a new highway, then chances are there's gonna be new townships nearby and new townships means new businesses is gonna come in, you know, you create more jobs and blah, 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 things like that. So um, budget is very important. And this time round, the budget is even more interesting because uh, this is the second time that the unity government is going to table their budget. In the past, uh, I don't know how many years, I think 60 years or something like that, right? Um, the budget always been prepared by BN only, right? So it was always a BN budget and what BN thinks is the best for the country going forward. Um, the PH government, on the other hand, had the chance to table the budget, if I'm not mistaken, in 2018. But it was a short-lived one because after that, 
you know, we have the Sheraton move, uh, which toppled the government, and then you have PN, you know, which came out with a couple of budgets, and but most of the PN budget was during the pandemic time. Um, and then subsequently, we have our GE15, and then uh, PH took over the government again. And since then, this is the second time uh, the PH uh, coalition or the unity government um, is going to table their budget. So, um, not sure how many of you have uh, read what are the expectation of the budget 2024. But let's do this more interactive, right? Interactive in the sense that let's pretend that this is an open court, an open parliament, and you can just throw in whatever wish list that you would like to see in the budget tomorrow. Right. Um, do that, and then you know if it's something interesting, then we can even bring it up for discussion or so. But today's topic, today's topic, it's more about talking, trying to gauge based on all the clues that we can see from the news, and try to figure out if we can pinpoint some of the potential announcement that is going to make tomorrow, and to and go into it and see whether it's going to benefit the people, benefit the rakyat, or is it going to burden the rakyat just because uh, the country is trying to get back into shape because of inflation and things like that. Okay? So, um, yeah, feel free to put your wish list into the comment box and let's start with uh, today's topic about budget 2024. <clears throat> okay. Um, you know, every year's budget, there's always a team, right? Um, a team like, let's say, for example, I got no time to go and read what the budget is about. I just read the team, then I roughly know where is the direction that the government wants to go. So in 2024, uh, the team would be empowering the people, right? Empowering people. Sounds like, oh, Okay, lah, inikali lah. this is the time that I'm going to feel rich, I'm going to feel the power, and I'm going to make 2024 my year, right? This is the time that I'm going to shine. Um, so that's the impression that at least I had when I saw the team and I saw the title. Um, but um, going slightly deeper into it, um, then um, there are a lot of news articles uh, talking about why they choose this theme of empowering the people. So apparently, according to the Department of Statistics of Malaysia, right, our statistics department, um, during the pandemic, about 20% of M40, the middle income group people, 20% of them fell into B40, during the pandemic, which is, which is quite serious, right? right? That means half, half of the M40 people actually fell to B40 because of the pandemic. Uh, but it is, well, while it is to say that some of them lost their source of income because they lost their job and things like that. But more importantly, I think it's more about the purchasing power of the people. Today, 10 ringgit, cannot buy you a lot of things. Probably just one plate of nasi lemak is already 10 ringgit, right? So if you're M40 earning like maybe say 6,000 6, to 8,000 ringgit, you used to be able to save at least 800 to 1,000 a month. Probably this time around, there is a lot lesser, right? Given that things become so expensive. So I think when, when the statistics of... Uh, departments say that 20% of M40 fell to B40, I think they meant more in that manner instead of just saying, oh, 20% of the people just suddenly just fall into B40. So straightforward, right? Okay, so if if that is the the stage that that is the stage that we're going to set, then it becomes easier for me to uh how to say to predict or try to gauge and see what the government is trying to do in budget 2024. So if there's a stretch on my wallet because of inflation, because my salary is not going up, uh, then probably the budget has to come up with some sort of initiative to address these problems, right? These problems. Um, and as I dwell further into it, I think I'm in the right direction. Uh, but if you think that I'm wrong, and if you think that there's a... Uh, 
a different kind of interpretation of the budget 2024, feel free to put in the comment box as well. Okay. Actually, this, this thing, right, this thing about losing purchasing power or, um, or uh, people losing their job and all that, this is not something new. And every year, the government has been talking about how to help the people. So every year, even though we talk about uh, we should cut the subsidy because the government has no more money, but in the end of the day, there's no way for the government to cut subsidies because you, they, they simply cannot do it. If they do it, people will be in an even worse situation. And on top of that, in the past few years, it was they were very important years for the politicians, right? We have the 2022 GE15, and then um, about, a, about one or two months ago, we have the sixth state election, and then we also have a couple of by-election here and there. So, you know, when you talk about election, you, you, you want to go out and win people's votes, right? And when you want to win people's vote, it's very difficult for you to implement unpopular policies. Because when you implement unpopular policies, let's say, for example, in GE15, if the government say, I want to implement GST, right? I think very likely more people will not vote for the government. They say, hey, if I vote for you, uh, you're going to charge me GST. Uh, that means things are going to be more expensive, you know. So I better go with the other side. So at least they don't, they don't implement GST and maybe they give it more subsidy, right? Oh, oh, they're very good. Then I get more money. So during election year, um, we usually a lot of populist kind of policies. Um, and very seldom you will see introduction of um, unpopular taxes, un unpopular policies. But this time around is a bit more interesting because of the unity government and how our prime minister structured this unity government. In the next four years, there's no way for a change of government until their tenure expires four years down the road. So meaning to say this unity government is here to stay in the next four years. Now, what does that mean? Number one, no more funny, funny things like Lanka Sheraton. It won't work. It won't work. You know, this government is here to stay. Number two, because there are four years, um, four years down the road, then the government has a lot of leeway to play with a lot of things. They can implement a lot of policies that they wanted to do. And they can do it... Um, they can do it in a way that they think is the best for the people, but the people may not like it, but they cannot do anything until the next general election, which is GE16, four years down the road. Now, what they are hoping is that today, all these policies may seem unpopular and not beneficial to the people, but hopefully four years down the road, you can start to feel the change. You can start to feel the impact and think that, eh, actually the country is going towards the right direction. And then you say that, let's give them another chance because they already show some, um, show some, show some result. Maybe the next five years are going to make it even better. right? So this is the thing that I think the government is at right now in terms of where they are. And because of that, I think the the budget 2024 tomorrow, it's going to be slightly more aggressive compared to the past budget. Why I say slightly only and not go all out eh, is because if they go all out, number one, it gives the opportunity for the opposition to, to uh, bombard them. right? Oh, you know, now four years cannot change. Then you start to implement all these kind of things. You know, you make people suffer. Then they have bad publication, right? So they don't want this thing to happen. And number two, they also don't want to be too drastic until it shocks everybody. Then everybody are unprepared. So they want to do it gradually, slowly introduce new things to the people. And as they get used to it, and then they slowly tune it up or down as they want to, right? So that, so that is the expectation that I have in tomorrow's announcement, the budget tabling announcement. Okay, since we talk about subsidy, right? Let's talk about this, this year itself. The government expect in 2023, the subsidies amount is going to amount to 81 billion ringgit. Now, I know 81 billion ringgit, you got no feel <laughs> because there are too many zeros until it, just, it, it is just a number, right? But what is 81 billion? Now, if you think about it, right, 
Malaysia got about 33 million population. So if you divide 81 billion over 33 million population, it works out to around 2,400 ringgit per person a year. Uh, that is how much money government is subsidizing us in 2023. 2,400 ringgit every person. And if this number is still too big for you, we break it down even further. If you take 2,400 ringgit per year, you divide by 52 weeks, right? Every week, the government is paying us 47 ringgit. So that's how much subsidy the government is spending on subsidies. And we all know that subsidies is not something that will help the economy to grow, right? Because in order to grow the economy, you must build infrastructure, you must encourage investment, you know, uh, factories must build more products so that we can be exported overseas. You know, you, you go and improve, uh, improve the ports so that, you know, more countries can send their goods to Malaysia and, and transit to other places that they want to go. These sort of things will help the economy. But when you just give subsidies to the people, people will just, you know, just spend it. And then, you know, yala, you keep the velocity of the economy running. You keep the economy running. Uh, you keep people spending. But that impact is not as huge as you use the money for development. So that's the point. And the government is always looking at this subsidy amount because it is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. And it curbs the government's effort to try to take some of the money for other, um, other developments, things that they plan to do, right? Okay, so just to give you another context, you know every year the government like to say that, oh, this year is the largest budget in Malaysian history, right? Every year is the largest one. So maybe tomorrow they will also announce something about the largest um, budget amount in history. So what, what is larger, right? In 2023's budget, budget 2023, um, the government budget, the spending amount, um, it was estimated at 386 billion ringgit, roughly around there, lah, huh? 386 billion. So that was the largest in 2023. Out of this 386 billion, only 97 billion is allocated for development. Right? So it's not even one third, you know. Not even one third is allocated for development. And the remaining of it is all for uh, Pabalanjaran Mangurus, OPEX, operating expenditure. So what are inside operating expenditure? Leh? You have to pay salary, you have to pay subsidies, you have to pay lah. you have to pay a lot of things, pay maintenance and whatnot. And one of the big um, big amount in this uh, OPEX is also all the pension, pension and all the uh, retirement um, money to the government servers who already retired. And as we all know, you know, today, um, Malaysia is also gradually going into an aging population and the government being the largest employer in the country, the pension amount is just going to grow, but the economic activity is going to slow because um, less people is going to work. So it is starting to put a strain on the government budget also, right? On one hand, I have lesser and lesser money for development. On the other hand, I have more and more spending to pay pension, to pay subsidies and things like that. And I think with, with that um, headache that the government has today, but at the same time, given them the liberty that in the next four years, they are safe sailing until the next general election, which gives them the, the leeway to implement a lot of things. I think this budget is going to be a somewhat reform kind of budget in the sense that, number one, I think subsidy is going to be cut. But how do they cut it? I don't really know. Lah. So maybe tomorrow... The finance minister will shed some light on that. Okay, number two, I think the government will also start to look for ways to increase revenue. Basic accounting, right? How to do better? You, you only have two ways. Number one, you increase your revenue. Number two, you cut your cost. Then your profit is higher. So in the government budget, it's the same. So number one, I cut subsidy. So my expenses is lower. Number two, I find ways to find new revenue so that you know, I have 
I have more money to play with. Right. Okay. So these two things. So I think um, t- for, for, for today's topic, let's just drill into these two uh, main category, the revenue part and the subsidy part. And then from there, then you maybe tonight you can, before you go to bed, you can think and see, okay, if the government is going to increase revenue this way, would that benefit some of the industries and therefore it will help my investment to make more money? Or if the government is going to cut subsidies or cut expenses, would that affect my stocks also? Because maybe some of the stocks, uh, these companies, they rely on government jobs. So if government plans to cut this kind of budget, would that also affect my investment in Pusa Malaysia? So that's why I leave it for you all to think. But today's topic is more about the broad picture of what we think the government could do in the budget tabling in uh, 2024. Okay. Okay, so to begin, um, just now I mentioned um, in 2023, the government expenditure uh, was expecting at around 386 billion, right? Um, This 386 billion will translate into the government's fiscal deficit of around five, I'm not sure whether five or 5.6%, but around there. What it means is that for every dollar that the government is going to spend, it needs to well, $1 is very hard to compare. For every 100 ringgit that the government is going to spend, the government need to borrow 5 ringgit or 5 ringgit and 60 cent. So the government needs to borrow more money because it does not have enough money for the amount that they want to spend. In 2024 and 2025, the government wants to bring down this budget deficit from 5 or 5.6%, gradually go down to around 3 to 3.5%. Now, then you may be asking, hey, then just don't spend the 5 ringgit, lah, right? Don't spend the 5.6 ringgit, then immediately you become uh, budget neutral. Then maybe the next year, you become surplus already. But this is the problem. Eh? If you don't spend the money, right, a lot of things cannot run efficiently because a lot of all these expenses are already in place in the first place. Right, so in order for things to go smoothly, this money you cannot save on, and the only way for you to go about with it is to borrow money, and and if you want to break this cycle, the only thing is to be disciplined, right? Cut all the leakages, you stop corruption, um, you find ways to increase revenue so that the deficit will become smaller and smaller and smaller. And hopefully one day it becomes zero. And then from that point onwards, there's a chance for the company to make surplus. Now, when a company has surplus, what it means is that after I pay all this pension, after I pay all these subsidies, and after I develop all the highways, MRT, high-speed rail and whatnot, I still have money left in the bank. This is the situation that we all hope for. Right? This is called budget surplus. And all this surplus, what we can do, uh, we can either keep it in the reserve for rainy days in the future, or we can think of more, um, more ambitious kind of things to do. Maybe by the time we really got budget to, to, to develop a flying car, right? But that one, let's, that's a topic for another day, right? Okay, so the government plans to lower or reduce the fiscal deposit to between 3 to 3.5% 3. by 2025. So again, it goes back to our small conclusion here. The way to do that is to increase revenue, cut subsidies, right? Okay, so how do we increase revenue? Um, why not you all tell me how you all want the government to increase revenue? <laughs> Right, give me some ideas. Right, we will we will see whether um, whether we are on the same page or not as as what the government thinks. Okay, while while you all are doing that, let me just um, throw one one little method that the government plans to do. Uh, this 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 method will not impact us as a riot as yet. Why do I say as yet? It's because, like I mentioned just now the government is not going to introduce something that is very drastic until everyone gets, gets a shock. It is slowly 
gradually introducing it into the system so that when they fully implement it, we will go like, ah yeah, you already do it so many times. Huh? It is just another budget that I'm already used to it. Right? Okay, so this thing is called e-invoicing. You see, the way I say it, you also feel that, ah yeah, nothing to do with me, e-invoicing, right? This is the company's problem, not my problem. But let me tell you, it's going to be your problem in the future. But Today, yes, it is not going to be your problem. Why? Okay. In the first phase of implementation of e-invoicing, um, well, I think if you Google e-invoicing, there are a lot of news articles there thinking, uh, talking about how the government is going to implement it and things like that. Uh, this thing is going to be implemented on the, by the 1st of June 2024. And it is going to first impact all the companies that make more than 100 million, more than 100 million ringgit. So yeah, there you see, it's not going to impact you. Um, but what, what it does is that going forward in, in uh, 2024, the second half of 2024, all the transaction that all these companies do, all the 100 million and above companies, all their transaction, their invoice cannot be paper invoice. It has to be e-invoice. What's, better, what's the benefit of e-invoice? That means there's no way you can say, hey, my invoice lost already. I don't know where I put it or there's a fire. So therefore, I cannot declare my income or I cannot declare my expenses. So everything will be recorded in the e-invoicing system. See? This is one way for the government to capture any leakages in um, collecting taxes, right? So this is a very powerful thing. And you see, uh, the first phase in 2024, it will only impact companies that are making 100 million and above, right? And any stakeholders that do business with it or they do transaction with it will be impacted by this e-invoicing system. Now, by 2027, every single transaction so now it affects you and me eh? because it's every single transaction in Malaysia has to use e-invoice. What does that mean? Eh? Again, let's say for, for example, uh, you know when you do your income tax, uh, very often the government use, uh, will say if you buy some electronic gadgets, you are allowed to claim 2,500 ringgit of tax relief, right? And very often what happens? Uh, you have to find your paper invoice. You see, oh, I actually only bought 2,350 ringgit. But, you know, sometimes people, they are not honest, right? Even though they are supposed to claim only 2,350, they will still put 2,500 in the EA form simply because the government allows you to claim that amount. So with the implementation of e-invoicing by 2027, you cannot lie to the government already. Because the government know exactly what you spend on, how you spend it, when you spend it, right? So when you do your income tax, when you want to claim from your company or when you want to do any kind of transaction, it will be recorded on the system and everybody will know what's going on, right? And from there, then the government can collect the relevant taxes from you. Okay, so this is one way of the government trying to increase the revenue going forward in the next couple of years. So uh, before I go further, let's see whether you all put any suggestion of how you all think the government is going to increase the taxes or not. Um, does that mean that I buy Chakotel also need to do e-invoice? Uh, from my understanding, speaking to people who are in accounting software, right? Apparently, that's, that's, the, that's the way that it's going to go in the future. So when you buy Chakotel also, when you make payment, because, because you think about it, right? Today, a lot of times, you, even you go hawker store, you use your, what you call that? Your, your e-wallet to make payment already, right? When you use your e-wallet to make, make payment, there's already an a e-invoice. So you just need to change that e-invoice into something that the government can read. Then again, everything will be recorded. There's no way for you to run. So actually, we are somehow using this system already. It's just that now uh, it is not being captured properly so that, you know, we still get away with it. But in, in 2024, the big companies will kena first and by 2027, all of us will kena. So um, 
Okay, um, somebody say focus on food security and exports. Yeah, um, I think today we don't even have a, have a, what you call that, food security minister. I think we used to have that minister, but that, uh, that, that, that position is vacant, I think, because um, the gentleman passed away. <laughs> Kazana to buck up more. Um, yeah, but um, as we all know, this year, the market is not doing very well. So I am not sure how the government can squeeze more, <laughs> squeeze more from Kazana and from Pertonas and all that, right? Okay, anyway, let's, let's, let's go into other methods that maybe, maybe possibly the government may announce tomorrow to increase their revenue. Now, all these are speculations, ah. Uh, all speculation because nobody has the chance to look at the budget yet. The, only, the first time that the whole Malaysia will see it is tomorrow afternoon. Okay, but, but all this information is gathered based on what the news has been reporting, right? So a lot of news portals also like to speculate things so that you all will go and buy the newspaper. So this, all this information, I found it from there. Okay, so the other way for the government to increase revenue is by the introduction of capital gain tax. Okay, capital gain tax. Then you all start to be worried, oh, you will die. No. When I buy stocks on Busan, Malaysia, and I sell for profit, the government is going to take, take, uh, take a portion of my money. Um, in the future, I don't know. Lah, but again, like I mentioned, the government will start to introduce things slowly and then gradually turn the knot. To tighten the to tighten the measure, okay. So in today's capital gains tax, um, what the market is expecting the government to do is to only tax on unlisted companies' shares. What does it mean? Um, that means um, equities that are not listed on Busan Malaysia. For example, Mister Money TV is a Sundram Brahat. Right? And Mr. Money TV wants to raise money. Let's say we want to raise 1 million ringgit. Uh, but we are not listed. Ma, so we cannot ask you to buy my shares on Busa Malaysia, right? So what I need to do? Leh? I need to go and ask my parents. I need to go, go and ask my friends. Or if I'm a bit more connected, then I go and ask private equity fund managers and say, hey, this is my business plan. I think it is going to go 10x. Would you like to invest my company um, for 1 million ringgit? Right? So if they say, hey, good, I think you really can grow. So here's one million ringgit and please go and grow your business. Then let's say three years down the road, I really grow my business to 10x. So that one million that the fuller invested today will be worth 10 million, right? Uh, or in other words, this person has made a profit of 9 million because 10 minus 1 million costs 9 million. Now, in the, in, in the potential introduction of capital gain tax, they are talking about a possibility of taxing the 9 million ringgit profit on this kind of transaction. Okay? So again, it will not affect you and me today because it only affects number one, private equity fund managers, uh, private equity fund managers, uh, VC capital people, high net worth people, basically all the big whales and all the big boys. Lah. So today it will only connect those people. Right, And I think it's fair because all these people, when they invest, they invest big money. And when they make money, they also make tons of money. So to ask them to fork out a small amount of tax, I think that's fair. Uh, just that hopefully when the government announce the percentage of the capital gain tax, hopefully it is not so high that people will say, hey, no point investing in Malaysia private equity because a big proportion, you know, the government take one, I might as well go Singapore and invest. So hopefully it is not until that level. Lah. Hopefully they can start introducing in a, in a small amount that the investors will think that it's fair to pay because I really make that much of profit. And at the same time, it will help the government to increase their revenue. Okay. Yeah. But eventually, like I mentioned just now, if the government starts to tighten the measure, and start to expand this capital gain tax to cover more kinds of investment, then maybe one day, really, if you invest in Busan Malaysia stocks, then the government will ask you to pay a tax on your profit. But at this point, nobody knows when the government may do that. 
we don't even know if this capital gain tax will come to fruition. So we just need to wait and see. Lah. Okay, now these two are more reported on news portals. So it was easy to catch. Now, um, when I went to talk to people on the ground, uh, the speculation is even more aggressive, right? So I was I was talking to uh, this friend of mine. Um, so he was like saying, yeah, government today, no money, right? So any method also they will use to increase their revenue one. So any taxes that they can think of, uh, they will just implement it. So one way, uh, because we all know that the government will, will, will go and start with the the rich people first, right? And the rich peoples, they're most afraid of what, you know? They're most afraid of inheritance tax. <laughs> so this uncle was speculating that maybe the government may introduce inheritance tax. Um, well, sounds like Robin Hood, right? You know, if I pass down my, my, my assets to my next generation, my next generation is going to make money, so they have to pay a percentage of the tax. But again, number one, I don't, think, well, I don't know. Number one, I don't know. But number two, I don't think that the government is looking at inheritance tax at this point. right? It is also because it is super unpopular and it will change people's behavior in the sense that if let's say I know my asset when I pass down to my children and they're going to get tax, I will not pass them anything. I'll either spend all the money today, right? Or I will just do whatever I want in this lifetime and don't care about the next generation. I don't save, I don't invest because if I pass it down, it's going to be a burden for them. So in a way, I feel inheritance tax is something that if they really want to do it, they really need to think through it. Um, it is not something that, that can be so easily uh, implemented. But what is easier to implement, and I think the whole world will cheer for Malaysia, is the green taxes. Ah, green taxes. Um, because now, you know, we talk about uh, global warming, la, you know, green gas, greenhouse gas emission, la, you know, and then uh, Malaysia has this target where by 2050, we, we want to be net zero when it comes to uh, carbon dioxide emission, you know, this kind of stuff. Um, so therefore, in order to achieve those ambitions, it makes sense to introduce green taxes, right? Um, just, to, just to give you some context, right? Um, Singapore is a bit more advanced when it comes to green taxes. Um, and in fact, the carbon tax um, in 2024 for Singapore, it's going to increase 500% from five sing dollar to 25 sing dollar per ton of greenhouse gas emission. Okay? And so this is 500% in 2024, and it will be increased to $45 per ton in 2026, and eventually it will be $80 per ton by 2030. So if you think about it, it's a very steep increase in green taxes in Singapore. No? Um, then if you turn things around, right, and then you start to say, hey, then it's actually good for Malaysia, right? Because if, if the Singapore companies are being taxed so much for polluting the world, and if Malaysia don't have such taxes, then, you know, we can actually attract all these companies to come to Malaysia. Well, while that is true, but that is also being not responsible for the world, right? Maybe in order to stay competitive um, in the region, because we are competing with Vietnam, Thailand, Indonesia, Singapore, and whatnot, maybe what we can do is we still implement green taxes because I think it's good and I think if you pollute the world, you should pay, lah, right? Um, but it should be something that is not burdening. So, what so like for example in Singapore right in 2024 from five ringgit to 25 and then three years down the road it increased to 80. I think I think that one really will deter a lot of uh, investments away lah. But if let's say it is something that is bearable like two percent three percent and if you if you try to um, net offset it by putting like solar panel on your roof and whatnot, then you get some incentives and whatnot. Then I think it makes sense. 
right? Everything has to come to a balance. You shouldn't go too extreme. When you go too extreme, then things will just break. So um, green taxes is something that I think it's very possible. It's very possible. But then uh, what I would be paying attention to is that if, if it really comes to fruition, then what is the rate? What is the rate that the government wants to tax on all this pollution? And it is very important because Malaysia has also ha- Malaysia also has a lot of industrial businesses. When you talk about industries, all these industrial businesses, you have factories, you produce all the pollutants and things like that. So it will hurt all these companies' expenses. You will have one extra line in the future that says you need to pay um, green taxes. And if it is a large amount, then, you know, it will affect the valuation of stocks. Then, you know, by next Monday, all the related companies will have a drop in their prices. Okay. But in the long run, I think it's a good thing. So if they want to implement green taxes, go ahead. Fantastic. Okay. Um, And finally, um, one more way to to, uh, increase the revenue for the government. I think this is the king of all taxes which is GST, right? Uh, now, there are also rumours that says that, hey, now you steady, steady already in the next four years. So, yeah, la, you call back GST, la, right? Nobody is going to touch you. Um, well, while there's a chance for that to happen, um, I don't think it is going to be in this year. Now, I think it will happen gradually. It's just that I don't think it's going to be this year. Why? It's because all this news report that's coming out, right? They're already saying they want to introduce new taxes. They're already saying how they want to cut subsidies. So all this ties up to not going to implement GST because GST is a broad-based tax system. When you have GST, right? You don't need to worry about whether you have green taxes. You don't need to worry whether you have capital gain tax. You don't need to worry whether you have inheritance tax or not because GST will cover everything. GST 6%, whatever you do, I just charge you 6%, right? So, but the fact that the government didn't do that and they slowly, slowly go into the details and tax one item by item. So I think the chance of GST this year is quite low, right? It's quite low. Um, yeah, so that is the revenue side of things. Now let's talk about how the government plans to uh, reduce spending. Okay, number one, um, I think some politicians mentioned that I think it was KJ, right? KJ said that we we should have a reform on how we structure government servants' uh, pension, right? Um, I think he has a point there um, because as more and more people retire, the expenses to pay pension becomes higher as well. Right? So this, this amount is just going to grow and it will come to a point that it doesn't make sense and it will be a very big burden for the government. So uh, the government should find a way of how to ease itself from having to pay so much uh, pension to government servant. Um, it is a very heavy topic um, I don't know how they want to do it. So I think this is going to be a long, draggy debate in the parliament in the future. right? But what is more immediate um, that I think can happen is obviously to cut subsidies. right? And specifically because remember the theme of this year's or rather the theme for next year's budget is empowering the people. It means that empowering um, especially people like us, the M40 people, right? To to feel that, okay, I am actually not falling back to become B40. I, I, I still have what I used to have, right? If that even makes sense, okay? So um, in order to do that, then the very thing that the government has to do is this thing called a targeted subsidy. Now, in the past, other governments tried to do uh, targeted subsidies as well. But it was very hard to implement because number one, there was no centralized system to say how much you earn and how much you spend. It's all based on very scattered information. And all this government information is not linked together because their system is very old, right? So um, when the unity government came about, 
uh, Rafizi actually um, set up this new system uh, called Padu, right? The Malay word is called Padu. The English word is the main database system um, to capture all this information about the Rakyat, right? This Padu system is going to be launched in November, so next month. Um, those, after that, it will go through some, some testing to make sure the system is stable and all that. And then come January 2024, it will be open to public to verify their economic status, their, their social economic status. Meaning to say, um, I think the government will send you an email or something like that to ask that, hey, you know, this is the amount you earn, this is the amount you spend, this is the amount of tax you have been paying. Do you agree? If you agree, you sign. Once you sign, I think then the system will categorize you whether you are B40, M40 or T20. Then from there, the government will use the database to say, okay, this group of people is entitled to what? And this category of people entitled to what kind of subsidies? From there, then I don't know, maybe you use your, your IC or whatever to go and verify when you do transaction and then you're able to get the subsidies from the government. Right. This is just my speculation again. I don't know how it will work, but the Padu system is something that is concrete. Right. It is going to be launched in November. So if this one can run smoothly, and in order to run smoothly, the government needs to implement a lot of upgrades. It needs to buy a lot of software. It needs to buy a lot of hardware. Now, immediately what I can think of is all this... Um, all these software and hardware companies in listed on Busan Malaysia already, right? Uh, I'm not going to name them, but um, it will be interesting to see uh, Busan market performance on this this kind of stocks tomorrow. Because if there's more information about targeted subsidies and if they are going to do it digitally and and using technology advancement, then yeah. There's a lot of potential for this kind of companies to thrive in 2024. Oh, now I sound like feng shui master. <laughs> yeah, but um, anyways, uh, yeah, so I think um, targeted subsidies would be implemented in that manner, but I will leave it to tomorrow's announcement to, to shed more lights to us. Uh, but one thing that I want to point out when we compare uh, budget 2023 and to estimate what could happen tomorrow is that I was reading the budget 2023 review this morning and the report was saying that up to June this year, right, we have already spent 50% of our OPEX, the operating expenditure, which is fair, right? Up to June, half a year, you spend 50%, fair. But when it comes to development expenditure, the government only spent 46% of the budget. That means 4% missing. Which means to say, the government didn't spend enough to develop the country. 4% lesser. So going forward, in order to catch up, the government has to spend even more to make up the the losses that they didn't spend in the past. So I'm thinking maybe, maybe in tomorrow's budget, the government may announce something that will benefit maybe the construction sector, right? Or anything to do with infrastructure development because you need to play the catch-up game. And I think it's fair because since the pandemic 2020, all the way until now, uh, you're talking about three, four years already, right? There's not much happening in terms of infrastructure upgrades. You don't want the country to come to a point where everything becomes so old and starts breaking down and then only you try to fix things, right? That would be a bit too late, right? You want to do things gradually. Um, you want to have that steady momentum so that um, every year we are able to catch a decent amount of growth in the country. So because of that miss in the development expenditure in 2023, I think, I think 2024 will have more focus on that area. And uh, specifically also, uh, the, the government has also come up with two new initiatives. One is the NIMP 2030, which stands for New Industrial Master Plan 2030. 
And the other initiative is the National Energy Transition Roadmap and ETP. I think these two will become the driver for infrastructure development in the country in the near future. Okay, so what is NIMP and NETP, right? So for NIMP, New Industrial Master Plan, as the name suggests, is to build new industries, right? And the new industries are things like EV, right? <clears throat> and maybe some new MRT, RRT, that kind of stuff, right? Um, and from now until 2030, in this seven years' time, on this NIMP initiative, the government require estimated total investment of 95 billion ringgit. So this is a lot of money, right? And recently, you know, the Prime Minister and Tunku Zarfu and all these politicians, they managed to, to attract a lot of FDIs into the country. So that's a good thing. But not good in the long term because when foreign countries come to Malaysia to do business, they make profit, they'll take this profit and go back to their country, right? So what we want to do is that when, while all these foreign companies are in Malaysia, we quickly go and learn the skills from them and, and hopefully there's knowledge transfer to Malaysian business and we become innovative ourselves and we start to build new business from it. Then over the next seven years, we can, be income, we can become innovative ourselves and we can build those business ourselves. So that is the essence of this NIMP 2030, right? Um, and to spend 95 billion means there's actually a lot of money on the table. Um, hopefully some of the companies are able to benefit from it. If you are able to identify some of them, I think in the next couple of weeks, um, all these share prices should do quite well. And in terms of the National Energy Transition Roadmap, the NETP, Right, national energy transition. Today, Malaysians' uh, energy mix, 60% is from non-renewable energy, meaning it's from coal, it's from gas and all that. Um, only 40% is from renewable energy, from hydroelectric, from solar energy and whatnot. Um, and by 2030, right, our target is to achieve, oh no, not 2030, by 2050, Malaysia aims to achieve 70% of renewable energy from 40% to 70%. So your growth there is 30%. In order to achieve that from now onwards, we need to pay a lot of attention on renewable energy. So companies that do hydropower plant, companies that do solar energy, companies to do with all the biogas kind of uh, waste to energy kind of business, I think this kind of industry is going to thrive in 2024 and at least for the next four to four to five years, right? Okay, so uh, with that, um, I think I think I've talked talk, talk a little bit too much because I I got excited about this kind of topic. Um, I think what we will do now is to go through the chat right now and to see what are the things, the wish list that you all put down there, then if I find interesting, then we can start to talk about it. But if you have any other questions, you can also put in the comment box. Uh, we can also discuss it as well. Do you think there's going to be a PTPTN discount for this new budget? Uh, okay. What I think only, uh. <laughs> what I think is no, <laughs> no. Because um, in the past, mm, the past government already gave a lot of discount and even with those discounts, still nobody paid up. So I think if the government really wants to take back money from PTPT and they should find new ways to do it, right? Um, yeah I think only lah, because I'm not the government, so I don't know, right? <laughs> Every day say give brim. Uh, these days no more such thing as brim already, right? You're talking about targeted subsidies. Uh, well, well, in a way, brim was the old government's punya targeted subsidies because it was given to people with certain amount of uh, income, right? So if you earn, I think, less than 2,000 ringgit or something like that, then you get brim. Then you're supposed to use the brim money to subsidize your daily expenses. 
but it was a poorly executed exercise because now when you give cash to people, people will spend it without discipline. When they will buy all kinds of funny, funny things. Now, but with targeted subsidies, it means that if you are poor, for example, and if you need to pump petrol, I will subsidize you for the petrol. Now, that is impactful to the person. So I think this kind of targeted subsidies makes more sense than just giving out brim as cash. Because brim as cash, uh, to a certain extent, it's there's a bit of corruption element there as well, uh, if you know what I mean. Okay. Do you think there will be spillover effect to the people from the government focus on ESG? That seems to be the focus of the government to draw more FDI. Okay. Um, yes, the government is drawing a lot of FDIs to the country, but because we have we have a target by 2050 to be net zero uh, green greenhouse gas emission, and we have all this ambition about green, green, green stuff. Uh, the FDIs that are coming to Malaysia, they have to strictly comply with all the green requirements that we ask them to do, right? If they don't comply, I don't think the government will allow them to come in. Uh, in that sense, yes, the government is very focused on ESG. The good thing about it is when all these foreign companies come to Malaysia and they practice very stringent ESG, then Malaysia companies will be inspired to follow that kind of standards and hopefully by 2050 then the entire country will will adhere to that high level of ESG lah, and 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 make 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 the country a better place uh, will the unity government implement capital gain tax and share dividend tax in public listed company okay very good question uh, number one dividend is already taxed why now, if you are familiar with accounting or if you know how um, stock investment work, then you know a company go and do business, they make revenue. The revenue, then they have to pay electricity, they have to pay all different kinds of costs. So those are expenses. Revenue minus expenses is the, is the profit before tax. The profit before tax, then the government will come. Ah, you make this much profit, right? Now you pay tax. After you pay tax, there's this thing called the net profit. The dividend that you get from all these stocks comes from net profit. And the net profit is the amount after being taxed by the government. So your dividend technically is already taxed. So I don't think the government will want to double tax you again, right? Because it doesn't make a lot of sense. So um, capital gain tax, yes, but dividend tax, mm, unlikely. Okay, should cut sugar subsidies first, uh, my cut down obesity rate and the amount of sugar in our food. I'm, well, remember, remember we had the uh, sugar tax. Yeah, the sugar tax. So based on the amount of sugar in your drink, I think there's a tax on it already. But I don't think it has any impact on the people. Lah. I think people still drink a lot of sugar. So... Um, maybe we need to find a different method to solve this problem. Yeah, this 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 sugar issue is causing a lot of obesity and very high, um, um, you know, health issues in in uh, Malaysia. I prefer to reduce on electricity. Um, mm, um, I also prefer the government to do that, but you know, inflation and whatnot, right? I think the electricity price can only go up. Uh, it cannot go down. I'm more concerned about the Padu database, how they're going to do the targeted subsidy. Same, I have the same concern as you because this is not a small project. Huh? You're talking about having a database of 33 million population and growing and you cannot screw up because if you screw up, then you know somebody could get subsidies when they shouldn't and people who should get subsidies cannot get their subsidies. So the whole country will be very messy. So I would be interested to know how they're going to implement that. Uh, you mean crowdfunding? Um, I don't know where the idea of crowdfunding came from, but speaking of crowdfunding, uh, now it's nine o'clock, right? Ah, now if you let me allow me to do a plug. Now, so now if you go to the FAQ show, which is a sister channel of the uh, Mr. Money TV, 
um, a new video is being published there. It has got something to do with equity crowdfunding. And this time around, I did the content a little bit differently in the sense that I also put in a real life example. So if you're interested to find out about what real life example that I use for the equity crowdfunding content, go to the FAQ show and check it out later. Hi, I'm a student and I have a question. Although my question may not be relevant, um, if the government cuts subsidies like sugar and oil, will it be a positive outcome for the country's budget? Yes, when the government cuts subsidy, the government will have more money and the government can use this money to go and do more things which are more impactful to the economy. So let's say, for example, if, if I take away one ringgit subsidy from your petrol, every liter one ringgit, ah, then I can take this one ringgit and I go and build a school. Now, when I build a school, I can benefit at least 1,000 people in the neighborhood to be able to go to school. So that is what it means by using the money more impactfully. Decrease subsidized petroleum and increase subsidized in electric. Mm, possibly, possibly, but I, I think, uh, I think, well, subsidizing electricity, not so possible because of inflation and all that. So if you decrease petroleum subsidy and you increase electricity subsidy, it's a net zero to the government. Then I might as well give you subsidy to pump petrol better, right? But what I think will happen is they reduce subsidies for petroleum, but they give you more incentives for EVs. Then it makes more sense. Because EV number one, uh, it will help the government to achieve the target of lower um, carbon dioxide emission. And number two, it means that there is lesser use of petroleum. So you don't need to pump so much petrol. So the government saves subsidy. And number three, um, it is greener for the environment, for the environment right? Because um, yeah, everything is cleaner, safer and whatnot. And it also drives the country to move towards a more high-tech nation. So I think that could happen. Could, could. <clears throat> uh, electric car five years later still got value. Um, okay. To begin with, car is... I wouldn't even call a car an asset because once the car touched the ground, it will start to depreciate by at least 50%. And then every year, it will just go down, go down, go down. Um... Yeah, so to begin with, I don't see car as an asset. So to, to say that an EV has a residual value, um, I think the depreciation will be even harder than a conventional car. Lah, right? Simply because technology these days just advance so quickly, right? So maybe if you buy your EV today, two years down the road, hey, outdated already unless they allow you to upgrade the software, you know, stuff like that, update the, update, update the firmware like your iPhone. Uh, if not, then yeah, eventually it will come out to become obsolete. Frankie, why so long never hear from Peter? Ah, um, Peter, Peter is outstation. He's doing some video recording in another state in Malaysia. I don't want to tell so much because I don't want to spill the upcoming content on on the channel, but just stay tuned on Mr. Money TV. You will see his video out in the future. Lah. How about texting people investing on crypto and foreign stocks exchange? Um, well, as, okay, to text people on crypto and foreign stock exchange, right? First, all these company needs to be under the purview of Securities Commission. So if, if all these brokers, they are registered with Securities Commission, then Securities Commission will have a way to charge all this stamp duty la, or whatever duty already. So uh, that one is not a problem. Uh, the problem is then how do you record your crypto profit? How do you record your um, whatever profit from trading in the future? Um, at this point, uh, don't need to worry about it because the capital gain tax is only applied to um, unlisted companies. But maybe maybe five years down the road, everything will gonna. Uh, yes, Eugene, um, Peter is in Penang. <laughs> okay, let's take the last question over here. Now that ringgit is depreciating against US dollar, how should we manage the expensive exchange rate cost if we want to convert... Um, sorry. 
if we if we want to convert ringgit to USD to invest in the US market. Okay. Um, the exchange rate of a country depends on the economic growth of the country, right? Today, the US dollar is strong because of the high interest rate, but the US economy is actually not doing very well. In fact, there are a lot of cracks in the economy, right? But if you look at Malaysia, I think since GE15, we are slowly getting back on track in terms of the economic growth direction. So, but at this point, you know, US dollar interest rate is high, so you cannot help, right? But over the long term, it still falls back to fundamental. And I think Malaysian fundamental is going to improve tremendously if let's say our execution of all these policies is, is superb, right? So again, execution is a big question mark for Malaysia. But if we are able to do it, then there's a chance that Malaysia will become a very uh, prominent country when it comes to economic growth. And there's a chance for Ringgit to actually become stronger than a lot of countries in the future. Because you see, uh, the UK is not doing good. The US is not doing good. China also shaky, shaky. You know, they have a property crisis. <laughs> Where else? Everywhere somehow has, has their own problem. But Malaysia, I think we had our problems and we are trying to fix our problem. The only question is whether we can fix it or not. If we can fix it, then I think the next growth really, I think Malaysia is a crouching tiger, hidden dragon kind of market. That's what I think, lah, and hopefully that happens. So if that happens, then I don't know, keeping the ringgit makes more sense right now. Yeah, because ringgit is cheap. Okay, I think that's about it for tonight. It's already 9, 10 p.m. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed today's session and I hope most of you guys can tune in to the budget announcement tomorrow uh, because really in that announcement, the finance minister is going to drop a lot of hints for the stock market. And if you're able to pick up one or two, potentially you can make a lot of money from there. At least from the from the hype. Lah. At least from the hype. Then after that, go back to fundamental, see which company really can benefit from it in the long term. And then you keep those stocks for dividend also can, for long-term investment also can. So hopefully today's content um, help you guys um, um, appreciate your company today. Don't forget to go to the FAQ show and check out my new video. Um, yeah, and see you guys next week and hopefully Peter can join us next week as well. Okay, see you. Good night. Bye-bye.